2: is LA Night your next Mr. Money in the Bank? Yeah. We're here to discuss. I'm Tempest and this is Sat We're the House of the Black Mask and you're watching the Smackdown Review podcast here on the WrestleTalk podcast
3: channel. Sat talk to him. What's causing all of this? But before we do it, let's let's, let's fuse. Let's fuse with you. Oh. Very uh, difficult to fuse while also holding my belt. Oh yeah! Listen, heavy is the head, wears the crown. Ladies and gentlemen, let us try again. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to pay homage to the jam, that champion. He is the leader of the house of the checkered shirt society. He is Tempest B Canada. I have to give, pay homage, man. When you're next to the champion, always pay homage. And yes, we are part of the checkered shirt society, which is an offshoot of the house of the black mask. And yeah, we're here to talk about what seems to be the internet's darling. We're talking here to talk about LA Knight. Is it LA Knight's game? That's the question. That is the question. Make sure, of course, that you like this video.
2: Subscribe to the Russell Talk Podcast channel if you haven't already. Ring that bell so you stay notice- f- notified. And you let us know in the comments who you think is going to win money in the bank. Of course, uh, Pete and Dan will be doing live reactions for Forbidden Door tomorrow here on this wonderful channel. But as I still haven't seen Pete since before Double or Nothing and before Night of Champions even, he's ducking you, man. I haven't uh,
3: haven't seen him to give him this uh, this belt back. Not even... Wait, 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 wait. Why would you give it back to him? You're the, you're the rightful champion. You defended it by all rights. The, the title is going to get confused. The title knows who his daddy is and the daddy is Tempest.
2: We'll see but on more pressing matters, like L.A. Night. Because, as has been reported and has gone around a lot over the last 24 hours, there were a lot of changes made to SmackDown mm-hmm. last night, mm-hmm. and there were matches cut that were announced, like the Bailey and Shotzi match and replaced, and apparently L.A. Knight had a, a different segment that got changed as well, but what we got on this show instead regarding LA Knight was a singles match with Rey Mysterio. A singles match that LA won, L.A. Knight won decisively and clean, beating Rey Mysterio with the blunt force drama after a a, a really good little match. Mm-hmm. And with all the changes going on on SmackDown this week, yes. made by one Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. one has to think does this seem like a vote of confidence on behalf of Vince McMahon in favor of LA Knight? And does that help his
3: chances in Money in the Bank in a week's time? My answer is no. <clears throat> the reason I say no is, this is Vince McMahon, expect the unexpected. The most weirdest of things might point him off a wrestler. He may think that LA Knight's shoes is too short, and that's why he can't be money in the bank. Because at the moment, you know, it was re- reported, um, there was a Daily Mail interview with uh, our brother, uh, our brother Alex McCarthy he had with LA Knight, where LA Knight goes into deep details about the Max Dupree character, how it was created, because he caught the eye of the right people. But then it was mentioned, oh, it's nearly 40 and then they basically changed roots and made him a manager for a bit until, of course, Triple H got in, stepped in, intervened, and he was back to being the LA Knight character we all love, mm-hmm. near and dear to our hearts. But at the same time, you cannot ignore that reaction. But I, I, I'm i not comparing him to Zack Ryder, but you have to remember the guy called Zack Ryder who got himself over, and as re- as his reward, he was given the nicest title and also a cucking storyline with... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> was, uh, was with Eve Torres and John Cena and Kane. So when Vince... The most
2: heinous thing John Cena ever did. Exactly. Most
3: horrible face. face. Yeah, the most horrible friend ever. Yeah. So when I look at LA Knight, if, if, does Vince get it? I hope Vince gets it, but it seemed for a while Vince probably doesn't get it. There's been instances when there's wrestlers that have met the Vince McMahon criteria. I'm using the EC3 as the most recent example where he didn't see anything in him. So you kind of go, hmm, maybe... He is out of touch of what is good with wrestling or what he likes. Heck, am I mention this guy's name? I shouldn't, but there's this guy called Ryback, who you know, who looked like the prototypical WWE guy. Did Vince go with him? Nah, not even. So you don't know what Vince likes or will go for, but you think LA Knight is the kind of guy you'd like. He's a throwback. It's weird to say this, but he's a throwback to the attitude era kind of wrestlers like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. We don't really get wrestlers like that anymore. So when you see someone like LA Knight, who basically has a great grasp of cutting promos similar to like an Austin and a Rock. Don't mock it, be in awe of it, because we we rarely get stuff like that. I mean, The Miz was trying to bring that style back once upon a time when he started in the beginning. So the fact that Ellen Knight has cornered the market of that kind of style promos and his in-ring work is not bad. I don't know how people say, oh, you know, he's great on the promo, but he's in-ring. If you watch his match with Rey Mysterio, if you can keep up with Rey Mysterio, that for me is a criteria, like, you're a good wrestler. Yeah, he's not a great wrestler, but he's a good wrestler. Good wrestler better than mean a crap wrestler. So, yeah. I'm going to wrap it up and also it's Saturday e time and it's Saturday e day. Yeah. Yeah. That's what so, i to say yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I think LA Knight had a
2: better shot at being Mr. Money in the Bank a week ago before Logan Paul got involved. Um. I think Logan Paul might have a pretty good shot at winning this briefcase, but if you're looking at people who are building momentum towards this this show, LA Knight cut a promo on Raw that turned some heads, and now he was on SmackDown beating Rey Mysterio clean, and maybe that's just, you know, sensible booking for a guy who's in the money in the bank match versus a guy who's not in the money in the bank match in the case of Rey Mysterio. But that hasn't been a bar that they've met with L.A. Knight to this point. He was nope. wrestling Bray Wyatt and not winning matches. He was going into WrestleMania, getting hell of a reaction and not winning any matches. He has not won a lot of matches this year, nope. but that has changed over the last few weeks. He is now starting to win a little bit more. Granted, he lost last week to Santos Escobar, but now he's gotten a big win over Rey Mysterio, a clean win... And I would like to think that that bodes well for him. I don't know if that means he's going to win, but there was another report that came out this week that said that there were lots of people who were pushing for LA Knight to win Money in the Bank. Again, does that happen? Who knows, because ultimately it's it's up to someone who's out of his mind to make
3: that decision. The Mad King. (laughs) But one can hope I'm still beating the LA Knight drum. Oh, listen, I always beat the drum albeit I'm still hesitant because I don't want to get my heart broken if they don't go all the way with him. Like you mentioned, there's the looming shadow of Logan Paul, which helps. The whole point of money in the bank is it shouldn't be that predictable. Because yeah. there's times when people are like, oh, it's too predictable. Oh, LA Knight's going to win. Oh no, Damien Priest is going to win. But now with Logan Paul's in, in it, it's uh, ups up top the game and the ante and the stakes. Especially with people that like to bet on wrestling. It's like, oh, who do I bet now on? It's like, Logan Paul could be the disruptor. But I don't think they... As much as it would make headlines, right? As much as it would make headlines could be a case that Logan Paul wins and he probably loses the, the briefcase to someone like LA Knight Could that could be the route that could go but I don't know I'm not saying as bad as David Arquette because Logan Paul he can do moves really well doesn't make him a good wrestler I, I, I read someone saying that oh Logan Paul's a better wrestler th- than LA Knight nope it's not true Logan Paul can do moves really well spectacular moves really well more than LA Knight there's more spectacular moves than LA Knight doesn't make him a better wrestler better wrestler putting the story together mm-hmm. selling and, 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 and all that and psychology the stuff that Logan Paul doesn't know yet but I'm not going to go into rant about, about that. But like you said, Logan Paul is a good antagonist to have because it makes us work for our favorite. But I do hope that LA Knight wins, kind of like how Brian Danielson when his Daniel Bryan won the briefcase one time. And we were like shocked by that. Oh, no. I, th- I was thinking about that this week because I was like, oh, man, they really haven't given
2: this was before he beat Rey Mysterio, but they really haven't given LA Knight that much. Heading into this Money in the Bank reign. I don't know if he's going to win. And I thought about Daniel Bryan as the other example. Where it's like, well, Daniel Bryan wasn't even on TV most of the time. Heading into that Money in the Bank match Mm -hmm. that he had and won. And it's just because they made that decision on the day. Exactly. There was no thought being put into it leading up to that. They just decided, ah, Daniel Bryan today. Because they didn't want Wade Barrett or Cody Rose. They thought it was going to be too similar to Alberto Del Rio with two heels winning. So, maybe... They're gonna have LA Knight win, maybe not. Maybe they have a plan now, but once they get to to the O2 in eight days, or no, in seven days rather, Saturday pay-per-views, I'm still not used to them.
3: Maybe they'll change their mind on the day. That scares me. You're saying that one bad coffee trip for, for Vince McMahon could just make him go with the most random person to win. Always. There's always that chance. Well, again, I'm, I've been- Otis one. Yeah, that's because he, he, he found him funny. Exactly. Random choices win these matches. Though. The weird thing is, if Otis won it now, I feel like he has a bigger chance of being seen more of a threat because they rebranded him sure. for a bit before he kind of reverted slightly back to his old character, but not too clownish to the point where He's not winning matches. He's still winning matches. He's got more credibility now, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, I do hope. I've been on the LA Night bandwagon since day one. Even back to the Bray Wyatt feud, I am saying to people, guys, I'm enjoying the feud for one reason only. There's this guy who does not understand he's in a spooky horror film. Definitely made it interesting because he's the kind of guy you give him lemon, he turns into lemonade. And then you have to, a guy like Vince McMahon whose backstory is he had fought, fought very hard to get the trailer park to get where he had to go today. You have to admire someone that could turn the littlest thing into something very big. They gave him a promo. More time on raw, smashed it. Everything they give LA night, he smashes it. So for me, I hope they reward rewarded. But history has, has shown us um, rarely people get rewarded for getting themselves over and you know doing well. They try to squash it. Yeah. I'll, I'll Ziggler. He wants to put on the time to get big cheers and we want Ziggler. And what the Vince do, Squashed it. And allegedly, Triple H thought he's just a bump card and doesn't do much. So yes, that's a whole different story. But yeah, LA Knight, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me talk to you, LA Knight's game. Come on, yeah.
2: Well put. <laughs> But we're going to get into the rest of our SmackDown review here, which started with the Usos coming down to the ring, separate from the bloodline of which they are now free. They came down, and Jay was still, like, he was shaken almost. He was just like, ah, my God, I can't believe this whole thing has happened. Roman, you disrespected me, and you disrespected my brother. And Jimmy says, like, Jay, I think you made the right choice last week. And... Everyone's chanting Usi. they're chanting Uso, and they change their attention, turn their attention to Paul Heyman. And I think this is really neat. This to me is a very good direction for this storyline to go, because they start talking about how there's a snake in the bloodline, and that Mm. snake is Paul Heyman, who's gotten in Roman's ear and is trying to split a wedge between two brothers, and you just don't do that with family. And they talk about how they're going to face Roman and Solo at Money in the Bank, how they are the greatest tag team in the world, and that at Money in the Bank, they're going to welcome Roman and Solo to the Uso Penitentiary. Love it. I thought this was probably the best segment on the show, just because there weren't that many other there really wasn't big segments on the show. I really like the idea that it is Paul Heyman that is the evil behind the last three years. Like, I don't know how close we are to the end of the bloodline. Personally, I always thought Roman was going to lose the title first and then continue the disintegration of the bloodline as a way Mm. to keep that interesting and prolong the story a little bit. But it seems like those two things are happening kind of at the same time now. Not to say that Roman's anywhere near losing the title, because who knows? Might be at WrestleMania for all I know. That being said, however, I think turning the focus of this storyline onto Paul Heyman and his corrupting influence is a very smart way of going about things at this point because otherwise you're kind of missing a lot of the actual bloodline that had the intrigue because that primarily over the last year has been the Usos, and where their allegiances lie, and do they side with Sami Zayn, etc. Now that that split has happened, you need something else to carry that storyline on and create intrigue, and ooh, is there gonna be another split? Are we able to topple the bloodline in some sort of way? Because I don't think that the Usos are going to really get one up on Roman Reigns at any point, in a match anyway. They can't beat Roman Reigns. They might beat them in the tag match, I'm not sure. You can probably pin Solo, but then again, maybe not. Who knows, this isn't a prediction show. But I don't think either of them are gonna actually beat Roman for the title or anything. So, there needs to be a way to have some sort of small victories along the way, possibly, and that could be getting Paul Heyman kicked out of the bloodline. Anything involving Paul Heyman and that kind of story development there, I think this is very, very smart
3: i i agree with you um to go back on the the promo that jay Uso was cutting he In the beginning, he said, you know, the bloodline, and then Jimmy had to stop him and say, the Usos are in your city. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I appreciate about the promo, like you said, it was layered storytelling. They could have went down the route of, like, Roman, you manipulated us, you hurt us, the, you know, the whole boo-boo face. But then it, it would discredit what they've willingly have done the past three years, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, would, it would almost be an insult slap slapping our face. We didn't know what we were doing. We're good guys. No. I love the fact that Jay says, Roman, we still love you. We'll always love you. We're family. So, in their mind, this is just the latest of probably thousands of falling out they probably had as, as children or whatever. So, for the, in their mind, family fights, you know, family squabble. But the poison, the root of evil in their minds, the person that turned their cousin into someone they cannot recognize is Paul Heyman. And I find it fascinating, like you said, they're going to Paul Heyman, because remember, at the end of the day, you have to realize this entire storyline, this entire title reign was always ultimately designed to get Roman Reigns to being the top guy in the whole of WWE, Mm -hmm. the top face. Ideally, Vince McMahon and company would like Roman Reigns on the side of the good guys again one day. And what is a great way of doing it? Because I didn't, cause I, I ain't gonna lie, I thought, I thought it myself. Like, how, how do you get people to actually like Roman Reigns? Like, uh, how do you get people to want Roman Reigns to be babyface again? Mm-hmm. They have to be the quote unquote Lady Macbeth aspect, the person that's dripping poison in someone's ear. And then, and it's also like, it's, it was also done in, um, I, I want to say WrestleMania 6 with um, Andre the Giant and, and Bobby Enid, the Brain yeah, and yeah. Enid, where the crowd embrace Andre once he got rid of Bobby the Brain Heenan? That has happened before, where the corrupting influence, Macho Man, in WrestleMania Seven, the corrupting mm-hmm. influence being, uh, you know, sensation The Queen Sherry. She was the corrupting influence in Macho Man's ear, even though he really did, he really went mad. But she added more to his madness. So it has worked in the past, where a top guy wants to getting rid of a, of a dead weight manager that's corrupting them. The fans embrace them, but of course, the fans today are not readily accepting. Stuff like that. So it has to be a slow process. So this could be the beginning. Oh, my microphone's up. Sometimes people can't hear me or whatever. Uh, This could be the beginning. We've Uh,
2: adjusted levels and such.
3: Well, Tempest can't do everything. Um, yeah, I, I, I see it as something that this is like going to be the next phase of the storyline is can we save Roman Reigns? So this is like a weird intervention that the Usos are going to do. Solo is the wild card because it could be a case of like as as Paul Heyman's influence is slipping from Roman, as a humanity probably might creep back into him, he may like a virus latch onto someone else, someone impressionable like a Solo Sokoa and say, Solo, I've always seen you as the future. You are the future of the bloodline. You are. You, you know, he, he, he can go very much like like Iago, <laughs> Aladdin, <laughs> who knows, what uh, knew Jafar. So I can see it that he tried to corrupt Solo as that you're the next one up. It was never Jay. I wanted you, I wanted you to be the tribal chief. I wanted you. So he can go latch onto Solo and then Solo's the one that turns on Roman. Because mm-hmm. someone pointed out on Twitter. I was just gonna bring this up, go yes. for it. No, 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 you, you say, I, I said enough. This is back to you, uh, we're, we're, tag, we're tag team. Tag, uh, I tag you in.
2: Someone pointed out on Twitter that Roman has never turned on his partners. He was the one who got hit in the back with the chair with the shield. Mm-hmm. John Moxley, or Dean Ambrose, turned on Seth Rollins when Roman came down with leukemia. Yeah. Sami Zayn hit him in the back with the chair. Mm-hmm. Jay Uso kicked him in the face. Jimmy Uso kicked him in the face. Bingo. Every single time. You can say that Roman is manipulative, yeah. and he, you know he's a big old heel right now, but he's loyal. In his own way, in his mind, Mm -hmm. he's not the one that turns on people. And I think that is such an important aspect of his character. Mm -hmm. I think you can really start to play with that as you get further down the line here when he starts saying, like, like... everybody's turning on me and maybe that forces him to look inward at himself like why is this happening? Maybe I'm the one that's wrong or it's something like that. It's not you, like my that. trouble
3: chief. It's not you, your profit. the way you are, trouble chief. <laughs> it's, it's
2: so interesting. It's such right. an interesting character quirk for this big evil right now in WWE
3: to be the one that's never turned. And I want to add... Paul Heyman has a history of turning against clients once they find conscience uh, Brock Lesnar's original run in 2002 mm-hmm. once he started finding respect for, for re- fellow wrestlers that's when Paul Heyman had enough of him he said it's his weakness was him growing a conscience and, and and showing respect towards wrestlers that's why he ditched him for Big Show so Paul Heyman does have a have a history of jumping ship when the meal ticket is not going the way he wants when CM he can manipulate yeah CM Punk's another one so Paul Heyman has a history when we talk about Roman Reigns being you know. the guy never turns on anyone. Poor Heyman. Sorry, other side of the coin. He turns on everyone that he's with if it doesn't suit his needs. So... Roman Reigns, watch that out. I think the Usos should mention that, or someone else. It could be Sammy down the line. He's always trusted mm-hmm. Sammy. Hey, hey, Tribal Chief, I always loved you doing that. <laughs> 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 Stay away from Paul Heyman, I can see it. That could be the next uh, storyline, going into WrestleMania, Roman's gonna change of heart, maybe trying to find his humanity. We've seen storylines in the in the past, like Becky Lynch turned face at the same time when she lost against Bianca Belair, that was at SummerSlam. Like it can't happen where the hill sees the, 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 the error of their ways. It could could be a WrestleMania when Roman Reigns loses, he might actually shake the guy's hands, acknowledge the the, the person that beats him, which might make Paul Heyman mad that you're acknowledging him, you're, you're looking weak. But I'm going too far ahead. But yeah, we're excited about what the possibilities could be for the storyline.
2: Yes, absolutely. The Paul Heyman aspect of this is very exciting and gives us a lot to theorize about. After that we had our first match of the night, that being LA Knight beating Rey Mysterio, which we've already talked about, and yeah. that segment ended with Santos Escobar running LA Knight off. So good stuff there. Backstage Ridge Holland just like walks by Solo Sokoa <laughs> and Solo's in a bad mood, gives him the spike and just says like, "Not tonight." and walks off. And Paul like picks up the phone and says, Call Roman Reigns. He's, he's have ever, stressed. Have
3: you ever done that with your phone? Call so and so. No, I don't use that. No, I I don't use Siri. I'm no. I'm assuming I assume it's an iPhone uh, holder. Probably. I, I don't use Siri because I don't know. I feel like it's quicker. Because sometimes Siri be nah, like, that... call who?
2: Siri's listening to too much.
3: Yo, for real. Siri gonna start thinking mm. for herself. And someone wanted to point this out and I'm gonna say it. yeah, Paul Heyman's got history of mobile phones because he's just smashing people's back of their head. So okay. they feel like it's an Easter egg him holding his phone.
2: Yes. I don't doubt it, honestly. I feel like that's a cool little quirk. What, like, like, he, he loves phones. Technology, yeah. right? His yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but uh, Sheamus then comes and finds Ridge laid out, still hacking and coughing as Adam Pearce is tending to him and everything. And then Sheamus says You want Solo, goes out to the, the stage and calls out Solo Sikoa to face him uh, that night. They make it official at some point that that's going to be the main event of the show. And then we had our WWE Women's Tag Team Title Unification match between Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And Isla Dawn... And Alba Fire, the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, and uh, I didn't write a lot of notes about this match. I'm not going to lie; it was okay. Uh, Ronda Rousey did a, a Poison Ronda. Say poison, it. A Poison Ronda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Punny. It. Uh, th- this was a foregone conclusion of a match, you know, and I'm not saying that. Isla Dawn and Alba Fire should have won this match by any means. I said they should um, have won them. <laughs> Sure. But it's like, they've done just about, like, just a hair above nothing with Isla Dawn and Alba Fire since arriving on the main roster. Mm. They drafted the women's tag champions and then just unified the belts, so had them lose their first big match. Yeah. They've done a bunch of vignettes on them. They'll mm-hmm. do, like, a backstage deal or something like
3: that, but... I'm surprised that people know who they are at this point. I know what you mean. It's it's Basically, it was a a huge rush job, right? It's kind of like they should have established them on the main roster, uh, have another defense... And then possibly on a Summer Slam because it was done on a SmackDown, a random SmackDown. Yeah. As much as I, I, I I'll say, you know, I want women's matches. They could have done. there could, could have been another way, a more creative way. It felt like it was creatively bankrupt what they'd done. But at the same time, I have positive things to say about the match. I feel like the match from the Unholy Union side, they, they added more because mm-hmm. of their rapid fire teamwork. It, it made the match look fluid, and you know, Ronda did well in the ring, and basil is always, you know, reliable. And also I felt like the promo that Ronda cut after uh, the match was decent for her, for this this current run. But um, it's weirdly enough, I'm like you. The NXT tag title should have never existed. But at the same time, because it did, Katana Chance and Caden Carter and the Unholy Alliance, just two examples, got to flourish and develop the tag team team. repertoire because they had something to fight for and now they're saying yeah the tag team titles will be across the free brand which is a great um you know great reason but i i want to say that for me that the female the tag division is quite healthy the most healthiest i've ever seen it even more healthy than they, when they first introduced titles because there's actually now like four women four or five women legit tag teams on the roster that you now the fact that the titles is going to go around different brands you're going to get decent matches out of it. So I see it as a positive. And I think Unholy uh, Alliance with Unholy Union, they're not Big Show and Undertaker, they add <laughs> to the to the show. Katana, and Ch- Katana Chance and uh, Caden Carter, they add to the Raw side as well. I- I'm excited to see what uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler can do with the tag titles because Ronda Rousey is still Ronda Rousey and her having the tag titles is on paper still a big deal.
2: On paper, yeah. I mean, and this all led to... The return of Liv Morgan, because Raquel Rodriguez was sat at ringside during this match, just watching, and then the match ended, and she just went to leave, and Ronda called her out, and she stopped, turned, and said, I want a rematch for those titles that we never lost, and then Liv Morgan came out, and they cleared the ring, and if I had to guess, it'll be Raquel and Liv Morgan versus Shayna and Ronda at uh, Money in the Bank. I saw a lot of people saying, why wasn't this match, this unification match at Money in the Bank? And I really am kind of also curious because there are three championship matches, including this one, on this SmackDown and the next SmackDown that feel like, well, why aren't they just on the pay-per-view? Some of them I feel a little bit stronger, in fact, where it's like Charlotte and Asuka, I am betting that there is a schmoz finish and they run it back at the pay-per-view in some way involving Bianca Belair. I have to assume that. But pretty deadly and KO and Sami Zayn is just on SmackDown next week. Why is that not the pay per view match? And maybe you do Raquel and Liv at the pay per view, but this was a unification title match. Felt like it could have done with like, if this was like 12, 15 minutes or so, given plenty of time, would have felt like a bigger deal.
3: And also Unholy Union, they're also UK gals. Yeah, exactly. Reaction next week because um, SmackDown's also in the O2. So it's kind of like, in their mind, is like you're getting a two for one deal mm-hmm. with SmackDown. And so, in their mind, it's like, what are you complaining about? It's in the same arena, just different dressings. That's the, that's probably like the-, the, the, the Who the, cares? You yeah. won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on SmackDown, it's in LA. I w- okay, let, let, okay. I, w- I wanna mention something. So you said Raquel was walking away. So logically speaking, if Ronda didn't say anything... Yeah, what's Liv doing?
2: <laughs> Did <laughs> I, I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that, but you're right.
3: Because it wasn't a case of like, they won, and Raquel goes, congratulations, ladies, yeah. on winning the title. Wow, now I want my rematch. You know, She was walking away. So it's kind of like, wait, are you legit? Te-? Like, either Raquel is a master manipulator thinking, I'm going to walk away, and she's going to say something, and I'm going to go walk back and ask for the title shot, and then that's when Liv comes out. That's the plan. I don't know if that was the plan. If that was the plan, you are a mad genius, Raquel Rodriguez. You're a mad genius. If that was not the plan, happenstance. Happenstance. But yeah, again, what would happen? There's an alternative yeah. universe where Ronda didn't cut promo. And as you walk back and live Liv probably pop up in the backstage as they're celebrating. I don't know. We'll never know. It's like one of those SmackDown versus Raw games. Or what door you walk into will dictate what the storyline goes into. We'll never know. She goes to the back and lives just like
2: you. You're supposed to. Yeah. You're supposed to to set me up. I was gonna come
3: back. Nah, I can legit, like. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. not nah, I can legit see it that uh, Ronda Rousey and, and 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 Shayna Baszler backstage. Whoa, we're the champion! And then she walks up. Watch me. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what are you doing here? And then you know Ronda cutting her usual promo and stuff like that. And then yeah, yeah these nuts and all that. Anyway, these nuts. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> So,
2: yeah, we then had the Grayson Waller effect. This is a weekly segment, it seems. This time with Pretty Deadly. Yes, boy. Who came out. They said they were going to beat KO and Sammy in London. They said London was the best city in the world. Yes, boy. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty good city. Uh, I, I've enjoyed my time here. Yes, boy. Uh, the crowd were like
3: really getting all over uh, Elton Prince. Yes, boy! Which one's Elton Prince? What's his hair color? The blonde one. Yes,
2: boy!
3: So proud of you. I'm learning. I'm learning. (sighs) That's why you win stuff like this, because you you study. You study.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm. So, this was, again pretty normal Grayson Waller effect kind of segment. He starts talking about how uh, incredible a performance Pretty Deadly put on in the gauntlet match was. They call themselves the Iron Man of WWE having beaten not one, not two, not three, not four, but five teams of course coming in last in the gauntlet <laughs> match and they counted out all the different teams that they beat and they get to the Street Profits who then come out because they are going to have a match. And that's the next segment after this, is they are going to have a match.
3: A fine little tag match, I thought. Question, what's the difference between what Cody was doing after the Rumble and what Pretty Deadly is doing? Because Cody said he beat 29 out of guys, so... Bro, do not ask me. <laughs> I do not have any clue why Cody Rhodes won that Royal Rumble from number 30. <coughs> Excuse me. Listen, I can't complain because it, it, it made Gunter. That's why I can't really... Even though... You could have said it could have been Cody and Gunther number one, number two. But at the same time, Sheamus was riding the wave. Kind of yeah. the wave. Yeah. He could be number three.
2: I, see, I know why Cody was number 30. I know why he was number 30. It's because everybody knew Cody was in the Royal Rumble. And if you leave number 30 available and he, Cody's come out earlier in the, in the match, everyone's going to think that number 30 is Sammy. And then when he isn't, everyone was sad. So you get to number 30 in the match, and Cody's not come out, and everyone knows Cody still has to come out. So we
3: did this to ourselves? We did this to ourselves, Sat. We played ourselves. Terribly.
2: BS. So the Cody Rhodes of the tag team division here, pretty deadly, took on the Street Profits. And they had a fun little match. There wasn't a whole lot to it for the most part. Just kind of, you know, typical pretty deadly Street Profits type stuff. The pre... uh, Bleh, street Profits, have been kind of on a downward turn here for the last little streak, while. Yeah. You would think that this is probably going to lead to them being, you know, either turned heel or refreshed or something. Because here, Montez Ford put on the, like, half, not even half shirt, like, quarter shirt sleeve thing that the Pretty Deadly liked to wear. Elton Prince's came off, so he put it on. They did stereo dives to the outside, and then Angelo Dawkins is the one, the legal man, and he gets rolled up, schoolboyed, and Elton Prince puts his uh, his feet on the ropes, and then Kit Wilson,
3: uh, yes boy,
2: wraps the sleeve thing around the dude's feet and holds them there for the leverage, and they get the pin as a result. So, pretty deadly. Go in with some more momentum. Another solid little creative finish, I suppose. Yes, boy. Fine enough, wasn't like a spectacular match or anything, but this was a solid piece of business. Yes, boy! Any, I, anything I, more
3: to add? Oh, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. two tastiest snacks of the SmackDown Tag Team division, yeah. Who well, no, to add? Uh, yeah, it's obvious the Street Profits are... They want too much smoke, but they're not smoking that smoke, so I hope that they're going to start addressing it soon. And I'm looking forward to what they can do with because usually at this point, I feel like Street Profits probably been a tag team longer than what the Dudley Boys were on the main road. Honest to God.
2: I mean, the Dudley Boys split up for a bit at the very least. And Devon found God. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm talking, about t- I'm talking about in terms of uh, main roster doing the attitude era because people can, can be snarky yeah. like Hardy Boys were together for longer than what when, when they became successful but the Dudley Boys started in 1999 they split up in 2002 yeah. if you add up uh, Street Profits time on the main roster they've probably been together continuously longer than some of the famous tag team they've certainly been together probably longer than Edge, Edge and Christian probably by now as a oh, tag team Oh yeah. definitely Yeah, so the fact that they could potentially be turning heel that is a good sign because usually Vince is like ah, damn split them up <laughs> one of them turned heel but both of them turning heel, that's exciting time. That mm-hmm. means more longevity as a tag team. The Usos are now babyface tag team, so they need a more heel tag team. Hit Row are kinda not that kind of tag team. They're kinda tag team to take pins, so it makes sense that the Street Profits, the new vicious. <laughs> <laughs> the new vicious Street Profits. Yes, debuts soon because of the losing streak but in terms of pretty deadly for me uh if you talk about uh people that have come on the show or on the roster since this uh, brand split they're probably on the upper tier of the, the success rate they've done really well and I, elton prince is a strong talker on the microphone that's why i noticed when he was doing the Grayson waller effect i like the fact that him kit, kit wilson haven't given they haven't given a chance to do the turn the stick uh, turn the, turn the stick off and be straight but Elton Prince has been given two weeks in a row he went bar for bar with Sammy when he talked about Sammy's hair he can be very cutting on as a as a promo guy when given a chance so I like Elton Prince on uh, as a promo Kit Wilson's great in terms of supporting that kind of hyping up his guy as he's cutting promos but yeah there's nothing negative I can say This. Gimmick is evergreen. I could see them being in 2002, kind of like Billy and Chuck, where you've got two guys that are more tapping into the metrosexual side of things. You probably see them on Queer Eye, probably trying to, you know, help people's, you know, fashion tips and sense and, and so forth. It's an evergreen character. I could see Pretty Deadly in the 80s, 90s, naughties, 2010s, and now forever together.
2: What an endorsement. We'll see. I don't I don't think they're going to win the tag titles or anything like that. No but this boy. has definitely been a good little run for them on SmackDown so far. Better than most of the NXT call-ups anyway. Next, we had Charlotte Flair beating Lacey Evans. Ooh. In a very short match. This was what it was. Charlotte won. Charlotte did the Andrade pose in this match. Hey, tranquilo, man. I, that was I, neat.
3: Hey, listen, if your Give, husband... a you know,
2: Yeah, giving a shout-out back to Andrade after Andrade won with the figure eight on Collision. It looked... Okay,
3: Andrade's he's got muscle mass. It looked hard for him to actually raise himself and do that. I'm like, man, Charlotte, you make it look easy because Charlotte goes... Boop, boop, boop,
1: and mm-hmm. Andrade's
3: like... Muscle mass. Oh, when's the last time I clicked my back? You know? Yeah. So when, when, he, when he did I was like, yeah, that's a hard move to do. And he even said on, on Twitter, he goes, Mommy, how, you know, how you you should have told me that this is a bit, you know, difficult to do. But I love, how, I love how the husband and wife are just shouting each other out. Someone said on Twitter, because I'm not going to take credit for it, that this is the most Vince McMahon match of all. His two favorite blondes, huh? He got Lacey Evans. He's not really doing nothing at the moment. And you got Charlotte Flair. And there's no stakes in it. There's no reason why to have a match unless it's a tune up warm up match. Because isn't it like Charlotte's first match in, what, ages? They didn't hype WrestleMania. Up. They, haven't, they didn't hype it up like that. She just made it like a, a, a go-away um, sh- match, throwaway match. But what I do want to say about Lacey Evans, because she's an investment. Yes, we all don't like Lacey Evans. Yes, boo, boo her. Yes, boo, boo her. That's a boo. disclaimer, boo her. Yes. Boo. She hasn't worked out as a singles wrestler. So it came into my head, the women's tag division always needs more bodies. She needs... A cadet and then that's gonna make you even more angrier because she, she's gonna be bullying someone that's her tag team partner there's plenty of women in the pc or someone like a who's, who's probably chilling and catering Make leo her new cadet and then that way Lacey can be part of a tag team where she's a drill sergeant with her rookie and they fight in the tag team division at least i have her something to do because they invested so much into her. how many vignettes does one person get and succeed with nothing even Jeff Jarrett, when he came back in 98, he finally figured things out. Come on, Lacey. Figure it out. Guys, figure it out. We were tired. She gets a new hat, Cobra Clutch, Drill Sergeant, blah, blah. We don't want another repackaging. Keep this character, just put in the tag team division because she hasn't worked out as a singles. It, it, it helped with, you know, other wrestlers. You know, Chelsea Green with, you know, I've forgotten her name at the moment, her tag team partner. But it works being in a tag team. She can go sit in catering. I, I don't. I.
2: I Sonia Deville.
3: Thank you, guys, in the comment section. I'm gonna read later. Screaming at you. Uh,
2: this match ended, of course, with the figure eight, and then Oscar came out of nowhere and kicked Charlotte in the goddamn face. I saw a slow mo clip of this on Twitter, and it looked fantastic and horrible at the same time. <laughs> Just absolutely crushing her and yeah oscar did her little dance and she's like haha i kicked you and then went up the up the ramp and that was that they're gonna have their title match next week i can't, and, I can't believe
3: you know. that is listen uh yeah Yay. i mean at least we got oscar on, on the show and mm-hmm. i hope i'm one of those rare i'm one of those people i could be deluded i think Oscar's still going to be champion come september but the way they're booking her, is not really giving me hope. You know, you know what? What do you do with a heel Oscar right now? They don't know what to do with her, so that's making me kind of scared. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's your we'll champion. See. That's that's a champion, and you wouldn't even tell. Nope, How booking her
2: not at all. And then we had Bianca Belair backstage, who was told that she is banned from ringside for the Charlotte Flair Oscar match next week. I don't know if that is going to fly because Bianca Belair says she does not trust Adam Pierce. Good. You shouldn't. This man is a charlatan.
3: I'm with you. He's he, got a dirty ass. He's got a dirty bum bum. So Adam Pierce. Before I, I, was, I was giving a guy his due or not doo-doo. As he's a he's Dudu now. I've reached my my limit with him. He just pick and choose when he wants to be an authoritarian or a standby. You know, a, a you know, a, a passive buyer. In this situation, why would you, why would you bar Bianca Belair? Yeah, he played into the trope like he knows what's going to happen. But so what? You like to watch other things happen? Do something about the Roman Reigns matches. Yeah. There's too many interference there. You don't know anything about that. Rematches. That wasn't a thing before, but now it's a thing again. Adam Pearce, are almost reaching Constable Corbin levels of annoyance.
2: Damn, them's fighting words. Mm. Uh, and then we got our main event, which was Sheamus versus Solo Sokoa, which to me didn't really feel like a main event match. Certainly sh- didn't have a main event finish. I was shocked. Yeah. Oh, actually
3: made it. I was like, whoa, that's actually the last match. <laughs> yeah.
2: This uh, this episode of SmackDown didn't have a lot going on. No on it, turn, no like, me, no me the, me women's, the women's tag match was important because it was, like, a title unification. That was one thing. And the opening promo was, like, it's important narratively. But otherwise, on this show, there wasn't a whole lot. And maybe that goes into Vince changing things backstage with the script in and everything. But this was just a kind of nothing really happened in episode of SmackDown because, of course, we got this match, Sheamus and Solo Sokoa, which was set up on this show. And, I mean, it was solid enough. Like, Sheamus and Solo, they traded their big moves. Sheamus hit his, like, running knee strike. He did his 10 swinging, chest-clubbering blows over the ropes and stuff. Uh, Solo hit his moves, went for the, uh, the hip attack. And finally, it just led to Solo Sokoa putting Sheamus through the barricade at ringside and the referee calling the match off. Did Solo win by knockout? Was this a no contest? I don't know. I don't know, unfortunately, but then Solo got back in the ring and the Usos hit a number of super kicks and a splash on
3: him to end the show. But yeah, the show ended almost like uncertain. Uh, like, it's like there's an air of uncertainty around how it ended because it's like they did a super kick, music's on, another super kick, music's still on, going on to top row, celebrating, then they do Usos splash. It's like, oh, I, I'm starting to think probably. Um, something got cut, and then that just stretched things out for time. Mm-hmm. I, I really did feel that on this show because I would have
2: to imagine, like just as an example, Bailey and Shotzi would have gone longer than Charlotte and and uh, Lacey Evans did, just for example. So like the timing of the show might have been out of whack. I'm not really sure. Of course, we haven't seen like the rundown of the show to know what exactly got changed, but that's just one thing that we know because it was announced last week. But yeah, this was a very kind of messy, all over the place kind of show. I still thought it was like, fine. I wasn't offended by anything. Nothing on the show was out and out bad. I thought it was like, maybe a three out of five. Just kind of like, fine. This was a SmackDown show that was fine.
3: It was fine because it had much more highs than lows, right? Yes. Ellen Knight winning, um, uh, The Usos promo, uh, The Usos coming out later, they take out Solo Sokoa. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other ones. Liv Morgan's back.
2: Yeah, Liv Morgan's
3: back. The tag titles are unified. I mean, it, it, was, it was a not-worthy episode, but with not much happening in it. The Charlotte match. So the thing is, I think had it given it something, like them having a competitive match, then you'd be like, yeah, it's kind of worth at least to give us a competitive match. But the fact it was a squash, it's like, could we not just go gone with the original? Because it's kind of mm-hmm. like... Oh, Oscar didn't have a match.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was whatever like yeah. the main event itself was like I, I wasn't watching it frowning or anything like that
3: just didn't really feel like a main event yeah if it, it felt like if i'm being honest not to diss it's a kind of wrestling show you have on in the background where you're doing other stuff and you just catch the odd thing was going of oh 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 lit lit live is back as you're chopping onions or something like oh if you're if you're having a sandwich that kick from oscar bloody hell
2: it felt kind of like a SmackDown from like 2015, before the brand split, where it was just kind of like, not a lot of important things happened, but it was mm. just like, the matches weren't necessarily bad, you just wouldn't really remember. This wasn't a SmackDown that I'll remember, in, mm. uh, in a week's time anyway. But that being said, with the review portion of our show brought to a close, we have some very important people to uh, give a shout-out to before we get out of here for the day. Those being our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash talk, who get their own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. So if you want your own custom wrestling nickname, make sure you go and subscribe to the $25 and above tier today. So a big shout-out to The Incredible Tarzo. Yeah! Return of the king, Tom Hall. Yeah. Keep rolling, the Rick Peck.
3: Yeah. Tony Jabroni. Yeah.
2: Trev Dog 316. Yeah.
3: Vincent Shaloki Garcia. Yeah. Vito Ventura,
2: pet detective. Yeah. Willie Biggie Singleton. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's
3: a Will Campbell. Yeah. Always leave the crowd waiting, uh, Brian Moore. That says wanting. Um, always leave the crowd wanting, a Brian Moore. Yeah. See, it's, it's
2: a pun that makes sense. Superkick, Nick Mazesco Yeah.
3: The Soul Survivor 1993. Yeah. yeah. Thank
2: you very much to all of our Pledgehammers who this week over on Patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk got the full uncut version of Wits and Wagers, No Holds Board. And next week we'll be getting a brand new one month's advance access uh, episode of How Adam Would Book. So a very fun time to be a Pledgehammer over on Patreon.com forward slash talk, as well as we just did our milestone live stream with Adam and Sullivan that you can go back and watch on demand whenever you would like to, where they played the full, not full, but the first chunk of their My Rise Mode campaign in WWE 2K23 together. It was very, very silly. That, of course, was our goal that we hit when we got to 2,200 Patreon backers, and that number has continued to climb, so we thank you very much for your continued support. However, I want to give a special shout out here, not being paid for this or anything, but the wonderful and lovely folk from NRB, that being Blair, Sheffer- Shepherd, Blair Shepherd, and Holly Musgrave have a very exciting uh, venture that they have started, and they have given everyone a chance to sign up to, where if you need to send your children between the ages of 11 and 17 to a camp of some sort to keep them occupied during the summer, there is a board game camp being run later this summer for children ages 11 to 17 board game camp with Holly Musgrave and Blair Shepherd. I want to give a big shout out to them. You can find them on Instagram. That being board game camp underscore London. You can also buy tickets. The link is in the description on their Instagram. There are not two more lovely and wonderful people, part of NRB, to look after your kids. They're fully certified. They've gone through all the means. It will be at drafts in London. So if you want to buy tickets to either the one week or two week camps, you can absolutely do that and give your kids something to look forward to this summer. Keep them busy. Have them make some new friends and play some lovely board games. We all love board games. Get on board. So a big shout out to them. Board game camp underscore London on Instagram. I love it. Get on board, guys. Get on board. We will be back here on the WrestleTalk Podcast channel tomorrow night with our live reactions of AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door. That being Pete Quinnell and Day- Dane. Dan Layton. I combined his first and last names together. Make sure, of course, that you check that out as well as the review that comes the following day with, I believe, Pete and Luke and then all of our normal shows as well as predictions next week for Money in the Bank and our live event, live reactions for Money in the Bank next Saturday. It's going to be an action-packed, jam-packed week coming, sat. Thank you very much, as always, my House of the Black Mask brother.
3: Yeah, uh, are we are we doing a show again together next week? Is this is this? A this is goodbye show? for a while. I knew it. So I, we have to address it, guys. The, the elephant in the room. I'm taking time off again next Saturday. And then after that, I'm taking time off because I'm going
2: home to Canada for a wedding. So yeah, I'm not gonna see you for like a month, my good brother. Yeah, but this is not goodbye forever. No, This no. is only goodbye for now. Yes. So goodbye for now. I will see you next week.
3: The house always wins.